This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right. Welcome back to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. I am John. I'm with my good friend and co-host, Jalen Jalen, it's good to see you. We have not recorded in a month. It's it's weird because I know sometimes we say things like, oh, we haven't recorded in a month or we just recorded and then the episodes come out at random times. So apologies to listeners uh, if it's not super consistent. Part of that reflects our own schedules and ministries and things. So it is good when we have a chance to get together and hang out, record and have a guest on. So good to see you, Jalen. How have you been? Uh, good, John. It's it is definitely good to see you, and uh, we are getting back together after a very busy Easter season. Mm-hmm. I know for both of us, but yeah, Easter was a good season. Um, really busy for us at at uh, CCFC. Um, had a really meaningful Good Friday service. Um, so I had actually that one of our um, board members kind of planned out our Good Friday service. And they went through like a kind of like a history of music huh. um, that that matched up with sort of Holy Week. And so we walked through different pieces of music throughout history that kind of matched mm-hmm. up with uh, sort of the descent into darkness. So this tenebrae service that, you know, kind of descends into darkness, but thinking through like just the different days of um, uh, the Holy Week leading up to the crucifixion. So very cool. Very well done. Um just really enjoyable. And then Saturday we had like a Easter extravaganza. (laughs) Um, you know, fun for the whole family, fun for the whole family. uh, Sunday we had a joint service with our Mandarin congregation, a joint child dedication Mm. because we have not done child dedication for three years since the pandemic. Um, and so we had, I think 14 kids, um, Mm. that were dedicated, um, which is really great. That's awesome. Um, and then, and then I preached and then two hours later we had a baptism service. So just a lot of stuff happening. Um, wait, does that mean that your church, like as a whole between two congregations, there were 14 babies born during, during the uh, last three years? Yeah, there's actually more, More. (laughs) but we couldn't fit them all in (laughs) and some of them didn't, you know, yeah, but yeah, they got to wait till the next, yeah, they got to wait. So yeah, the next one. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome! It is incredible. Yeah, yeah, Praise the but Lord. made for a tiring and logistically mm-hmm. challenging day. Yeah, uh, but it was great. It was good, and um, but all before all of this on Thursday before um, Good Friday, uh, you know, one of our good friends, um, his mom passed away, uh, mm-hmm. and so I I did the funeral for that, and I didn't know this, but during the funeral, as I was talking to some of the the, the family, um, they told me that she would tune into our live streams 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew this, but yeah, for both uh, of our churches for both of our churches. Yeah. yeah. Every Sunday, which, um, just, just really encouraging, yeah. uh, real blessing, but, um, yeah, just a really full weekend, really exhausting weekend, but just again, like really full, mm-hmm. really, really mm-hmm. good. Um, and then on the family front, so amidst all of this, right. Th- yeah. The next day after Easter on Monday, uh, my cousin's in town from Hong Kong. We're spending time with her, but then our third child had some tooth pain Mm. and was like crying which is abnormal for him like he's got a pretty high pain tolerance so we're kind of freaked out you know call our dentist and he's like bring him in sure enough like one of the teeth like got a pretty big cavity so he's got to pull that and and then he's like well while we're here like he's got four baby teeth that should already be out so can we just pull those as well and we're like okay let's just do it you know so he got five teeth pulled on oh on Monday afternoon and he was a trooper. Like he was totally fine afterwards. Yeah. Um, Okay. That really must've been bothering him then. It was. Yeah. yeah. But it was, yeah. Anyways, great weekend, full weekend, (laughs) tears and laughs and great stuff. So, but yeah, how, how are you doing? Well, I am doing well. I think just listening to you talk about your weekend, I feel like, like me, probably a lot of the pastors who, may tune into this podcast, they can probably resonate with not the exact things that you did, but just this week feeling like there's just a lot going on and, um, you know, and and working hard to make sure that our churches really have a a proper and healthy, uh, you know, encounter with the Lord that walks us through the fullness of Passion Week, I think. Yeah, just keeps us real busy. It's not, there's not, a lot of weeks in the calendar year that are quite like, like passion week. So I think similarly, we, we had a, a busy uh, weekend, uh, just a very, or full weekend, I think is probably how I would describe it. And, you know, um, we had our good Friday service. Um, and I think that the, one of the nice things for us is because we have a fairly sizable staff. Um, when we do joint events, we have a tendency to like, um, you know, each service can be led by a different person. And so it, it kind of um, gives different people opportunity to, to participate and lead and it also relieves some of the pressure of individual pastors having to be like, you know, so I, I feel for you, man, like, I know you probably had a lot to do and, um, and go, going on. Uh, yeah, so you're my, just it in right now, John. I, no, not, I'm trying not to, um, you know, my, my responsibilities this weekend were, pretty much two, two major things aside from being present. Um, I led worship at our sunrise service and, um, that was really good. I, you know, uh, it was my first sunrise service with our church here in San Jose that I've attended because we had not had it the last few years, Hmm. um, due to different reasons, but largely connected to COVID. Um, and it, it was great. I'd heard stories about, you know, our service in the past and, and, um, I know sometimes churches do a sunrise service where like the sun is coming up as the service ends. That's not us. Um, the sun was coming up as I was setting up. And then by the time the service was started at like seven 30, you know, the sun's in, in the sky. So it's not too early. It's earlier than normal, but it's not too early, mm-hmm. um, which I was very thankful for. Um, but we actually do our service at a local high school or a local school on their, like in their stadium, their soccer football field stadium. And this school happens to be up on a hill. And in my mind, because the school 
has the word valley in it. I thought it would be like at the bottom of the valley, but it actually overlooks Silicon Valley, overlooks San Jose. So the view as the sun is coming up wow. over the mountain is the whole city. And I think that was something that I was like, wow, you know, I, I feel really very much connected to like this city as a place where I'm serving and, and, you know, trying to put down roots here, um, you know, while at the same time staying connected to places I've been in the past. Um, and, and so I think that was just something for me that was pretty significant or pretty, um, yeah, I, I don't know, just a nice experience that I had not had before with my church That's family. Cool. And, and I was told that maybe because we hadn't had it in a few years, we, it was extra full compared to previous years, like people really looking forward to being together. So that was uh, my one of my primary responsibilities this weekend. And then actually we had a baptism service right after. So we went straight back to church, did like a little light breakfast, just some, you know, Chinese bakery stuff. And then um, we ended up doing a, an all church baptism service. And so we had 10 people get baptized, mm -hmm. um, youth, uh, folks from English, folks from our Chinese service uh, services. And so, um, it was great just being there and hearing testimonies. And, and I, I, I think that's always one of my favorite parts of church life is hearing people share about um, how God has drawn them into, into his heart and his family. And, and then to hear, especially young people really um, say, you know, like they are there because they want to follow Jesus. And this mm -hmm. is like a step of obedience. Like I, it, man, that gets me every time. So mm -hmm. It was a busy full weekend and and it was good and um yeah i just really sensed the joy of the lord uh in our church family and 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 yeah from the father so it was it was good yeah yeah but monday i had to really make sure that i rested well so yeah yeah, yeah. did you get a chance to rest well then i did yeah i i cleared my schedule for the most part and uh, just met up with some some friends, some of my young adults actually for lunch that day because they were um, they were on break. So yeah, I love I love uh, even though there's a lot of there's a lot of things for us to prepare and plan for and do. Um, you're right. Like uh, this season, Easter season is such a a joyful and full and fulfilling season. But well, hey, I'm really excited for our guests. To today. Um, Steve Liu is the English Congregation Assistant Pastor at Boston Chinese Evangelical Church, and he is the pastor of Outreach and Project Destiny Ministries. Uh, it's a super long introduction, but um, Steve and I actually got to spend a weekend together about a month ago. I got a chance to uh, preach at BCEC's college retreat, and Steve stepped in as the substitute uh, like director for the retreat because the, uh, the other pastor, Ryan, uh, shout out to Ryan, uh, got sick and couldn't make it. And so Steve stepped in and he was like, a, I mean, it was clear, Steve, that you've done it before, but it was great. Everything I felt ran smoothly. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us, Steve. It's so good to see you. Hey, it's good to hang out with you again. And we had some really good conversations during that time, uh, you know, in the car ride. So appreciate being asked to come and hang out with you again. And, uh, again, good to meet you, John. Yeah, it's great to meet you too, Steve. I am really looking forward to, you know, hanging out here and uh, hearing a bit about your ministry. And so whenever we have someone that is like a first time guest on the podcast, we always love to start off with this question. 
uh, or just have you share a little bit of your ministry journey. How did you um, end up in the role that you're in and, and um, how did the Lord call you into ministry? Okay, I'll try to make that not too long. But I, I actually came to the Lord through the ministry of the church that I'm in right now. Um, when I was in high school, um, I came from a family that you know we had some things going on. And um, really, uh, the first time that I really felt like I had some adult role models and also people who um, cared for me in a way that I really understood or really felt, um, you know, it, um, sometimes there's that disconnect between generations and within your own family, right? And so to have that connect, uh, that happened at church. It happened at the Boston Chinese Evangelical Church, where, I, where I'm at now. And um, it, a couple of years into going to church, I uh, understood the gospel and gave my life to the Lord. And um, my first ministry experience was actually serving in Project Destiny, which is a summer camp that the church runs. And uh, that that summer camp, uh, uh, it, it serves middle schoolers, um, kind of like 11 years old through 14 years old. And it was challenging. It was really hard. Um, it was full time, something like fifty hours a week, and uh, it was all volunteer, not paid. And you know, ask a high schooler, "What do you want to do with your summer?" It's definitely not that. But um, I, I loved it. I mean, it was the first time I felt like I was doing something for more than just for myself. And it was the first time where you know, even though, though I understood the gospel, it came to life, um, like just serving. And helping others to know Jesus, really, that came to life to me. It's like, oh, man, I love that. Um, so anyway, fa fast forward, uh, partly due to that, I wanted to be a teacher. And so I went to college, and I I, I studied to be a teacher. And um, and I was a teacher for um, for several years, and uh, a lot of the time in the Boston area, right, and actually all of it in Chinatown, in the school. Uh, funny story, when I was in high school, I watched that school being built one day, and I'm looking at it, and, and I've never had this kind of feeling before, but um, there was a very clear sense of, um, Steve, I want you to teach at that school. You're going to be teaching at that school someday, seventh grade English. And of course, I'm like 16, 17 years old at the time. And I'm like, seventh grade? Oh, what? wow. Very interesting. I told my friends and they said, okay, that's interesting. Um, so anyway, fast forward, I graduate from uh, school with my teacher's degree and um, kind of forget about that a little bit. And then my I'm serving at a therapeutic child care center in Vermont. Um, in the midst of that, I get a call from somebody at that school who says, hey, we've got a position opening, and uh, we know you're you're trained to be a teacher. Um, we had some connections there. And they said, we need a seventh grade English teacher. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. And so a couple things happen where it just aligns and the Lord kind of confirms, yes, mm -hmm. I should be doing that. So when I come back, um, one of the things I want to do with my summer is to do Project Destiny again, the the summer camp, uh, just seeing the lives change there. And so during, as a teacher, you get to do that. You can do whatever you want with your summer. You can work, make some more money, or you can uh, volunteer. You can go take vacation, whatever you want to do. So that's what I wanted to do. Um, and uh, it turned out that that summer, that's where I ended up meeting my future wife as well, uh, serving alongside in that summer. Uh, but I taught for a couple of years. And it became clear to me that teaching was not really longer term where I should be um, for mm. many reasons. You know, part of it has to do with um, how much time do you spend doing the things that motivate you to do this job. And I found that actually the hours, if you add it up, it doesn't make sense for me. Um, I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be mentoring youth. I want to help them to know Jesus. And of course, 
Um, a lot of time I was spending my time grading essays that, you know, they wouldn't read the feedback to. So because of that, um, at the time, um, Pastor Enoch, who is uh, my pastor, um, he, he said, well, um, you know, would you ever consider uh, ministry? And you know, I had been thinking a bit and uh, I was leading the summer ministry on the side um, and uh, it got into the youth ministry and we were starting to look for a youth minister. Um, and at the back of my mind, I thought maybe someday I'll actually apply to this thing, maybe. Um, but I actually ended, never ended up applying for that position of youth minister at BCEC. Um, but I did go to seminary. Um, so somewhere along, like after the fifth year of teaching, I went to seminary. And then financial crisis kind of hit. And we ended up having to let go a few people at the church uh, who worked at the church. And that's when Pastor Enoch says, hey, we kind of need to keep this thing going. Would you come back and help us keep it going? And so, okay, yeah. So I, I left seminary. And so uh, I never finished seminary until 2018. So this is like 10 years later. Um, but that that moment of, yes, I'll leave seminary, that was the moment when I was like, okay, I guess I'm on board at BCEC. Um, and, you know, did internships for like four years. And then um, we tried to get this position of, uh, what is it, PD director, uh, PD ministries director. And uh, and that's how I that's how I came on board. I love that you grew up at the church and are now serving at the church that you grew up at, that you kind of cut your teeth um, doing ministry at. That's such a wonderful story. And I love that that's something that churches, Chinese heritage churches can do, right? Develop leaders from within. That's so great. Um, Definitely. Could you just, yeah. Could you describe your role at BCEC? Um, what exactly you're doing with Project Destiny? We've kind of mentioned it a few times, but sure. um, yeah, like what's the kind of description? Like what is Project Destiny? And then what is your role in overseeing Project Destiny? Yeah. I like to put it this way. Project Destiny exists to glorify God by uh, bringing uh, campers to know more of Christ, by serving the Chinatown community, and also uh, by bringing staff to have a life-changing urban ministry experience. Um, and so we get to capture all in that, you know, raising up leaders in our church, and also um, direct, you know, sharing the gospel with kids, but then also witness in our community, uh, just kind of this lighthouse kind of picture. Um, and we we love that. We want, And so what do, how do we do that? We do that by the summer camp, which is a five-week um, thing that kids come to, and uh, we get to share the gospel the whole entire time, every day. Um, it's amazing. Uh, and sometimes they ask questions. Sometimes they're like, this is really boring. I don't want to listen to it anymore. And, but guess what? Your parents signed you up, and they paid money for it. So you're gonna, hmm. I guess you're going to keep on coming, and uh, you, know, you can make up your own mind, but we're going to keep on loving you. Um, the, the other part of it is during the school year, which is what I sp I'm spending a lot of my time on now, um, on on weekdays, we have a drop-in youth center. So kids from 11 years old all the way up to 18 years old are coming. Some of them are doing youth development with us. Some of them are just dropping in here and there. Some of them are just getting homework help. And we have folks from the church coming in to uh, basically help to teach uh, or to help with homework or to lead activities. Yeah, I, I love it. I'm, I'm curious, just really quick, where does the name come from? Like, why did you yeah. land on the name Project Destiny? So this thing happened before me. So, uh, you know, I, I did, I was a junior counselor when I first encountered Project Destiny, but the generation before me, um, they were looking at, they were coming, coming up with a name for it. Um, and 
there was a group called People of Destiny. Um, this is kind of way back, really old. Uh, People of Destiny, they looked at this like, oh, what if we called it Project Destiny? And then, there it is. And actually, there was a whole lot of like alliterating uh, branding that came with it too, but we've dropped a lot of it because it no longer makes sense because we're not in the 90s anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So then it must be older than... Well yeah, it, 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 Jalen, because, well, I don't know about Jalen, <laughs> but for me, for sure, because I don't get, I don't know that reference, I don't think, or maybe if I do, I've forgotten it at this point, but. Yeah. It must have been in one of those like song books or something like that. But I think the yeah. idea is that, you know, you um, we want folks to come in and we would love, I mean, the project is what? We want people's destinies to be changed mm -hmm. forever, mm -hmm. you know, whether they accept the Lord or whether they uh, come in and they, they consider, but maybe, um, maybe not. But uh, one way or another, we love to impact people's destinies and yeah. particularly if they come to know the Lord. Mm -hmm. I love it. You know, I'm, I'm actually kind of curious about even some of the logistics of this because, um, you know, especially in a, uh, your church being in in Chinatown and being in an mm -hmm. urban setting in the city. Um, you know, my church now is not in a Chinatown. It's in a predominantly uh, Spanish-speaking and uh, Vietnamese neighborhood, but we are looking and hoping to continue to reach our neighbors, and I think that's mm -hmm. important to us. And um, so, so I'm curious, just as I'm hearing you describe some of what you're doing, um, like even the after-school program that runs during the school year like how um what do you partner with local schools to kind of promote that or how are they the the students that come how are they finding this ministry are they connected to the church somehow are they just literally like walking by and they drop in you know what what does that look like for you guys for me um over the years it's really been a if you build it they will come um which is interesting. I guess, you know, maybe not all communities are like that. Mm -hmm. But for us, we felt like um, we were looking and we we're saying this is really a need that we see in the neighborhood. Um, and we think that it would, I think a lot of parents would want this. We kind of look at why do people sign up, right? Their parents make them or perhaps because um, there's something that we offer like free snacks or things like mm -hmm. we try to hit on all the different kind of motivations. But to get to your question about like schools, um, I used to be a teacher at the school, the local school. There is one Locals. There are two, the elementary school and the middle school, high school, um, but it's all one kind of thing. And so because I was in there, um, I have access to a lot of the teachers, mm. a lot of the administrators. They know who I am. Yeah. And so uh, when I left, they knew why I left. They knew I was going into ministry. And so years later, a lot of those teachers are still around. Not yeah. only that, but also our school, I mean, our church, uh, over the past many years of doing Project Destiny, we've trained up a lot of people who decide to go into teaching. And some of them are actually uh, in. Uh, some of them are in that school. They're they're teachers there, and so we get that. Yeah, we get that access, and uh, they they we have good conversations with them sometimes. Sometimes, uh, you know, people. It, it depends if someone's really busy or if they've had a baby. Then we stop talking to each other for a long time. But at other times, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I know. We're having these this fair thing, uh, activities fair. Won't you please come?" Uh, it, it's it kind of ebbs and flows, um, yeah. and sometimes they'll talk to us. They'll say, "Hey, we have this problem with this kid." We know there's only so much, you know, we can do, but uh, can you take them on and maybe just uh, give them support? Yeah, I just love how you guys have that presence there and the relationship, I think, that allows for that sort of, you know, um, those, those sort of conversations and, and 
partnerships even. Um, and so that's, that, that's just so important. Um, and I, I really, I think even hearing about that, it makes my mind think about like, oh, okay. So what could that look like in, mm -hmm. you know, in my context? And so I'm excited to hear more about <clears throat> what you guys are doing. I'm curious, like what, you know, what are some of the, uh, what's some of the fruit that you've seen come out of this ministry over the years? I know you described a little bit just now, but, um, you know, are there other ways that you've seen really the Lord impact people or mm. impact your community? I'd answer that question in a couple of ways. I think one of them is the staff that have come through Project Destiny, either the summer camp or helping with the after school program. Um, there's a whole package of training that we do with them. Um, you know, admittedly, a, a, lot, a lot of it is uh, kind of trial and error over the years, and some of it is kind of developed uh, as um, Pastor Enoch has a lot of ideas, and so he kind of like, oh yeah, let's teach on this. I would say Project Destiny. If some, if you, uh, if you remember talking to Enoch about some things and ideas and things like that, I feel like Project Destiny is the laboratory in which he like tested a lot of ideas, and so because of that, we get to keep some of it, and uh, mm. you know, it's been really good. So the, I think the training of lay people has been really good, um, and even in that, there's like. Sometimes, often, some sometimes campers come back and they become counselors, you know, and that's really enjoyable to watch. And they come back and um, I was trying to figure because I was at a deacons meeting today and um, I was trying to figure out, okay, how many deacons have um, been counselors at PD? Um, there's a good number of that, but then more more difficult questions like, okay, are there any who were students who came to the church? Uh, through PD. And I, I was thinking, it's like, I think I count like one, two, three, four. And then I've got three or four more that are like the next wave of folks that we would probably ask, or we have already asked and have like continually said no, because they're busy. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really, you know, that's really neat fruit when you see that, you know, and then the, um, I, I guess the, the other part is seeing kids kind of yeah, connect together with the church. You know, that first time that they start coming to church, um, that moment that they they say they want to believe in Jesus. Um, you know, we're not very much a close your eyes, raise your hand if you want to believe in Jesus kind of ministry. Um, we just find that it it's not super, uh, or maybe it works for some other folks, uh, but for us, we, we feel like it's not honest for the kinds of kids that we reach. And so it's a more long drawn out process often of, you know, relationships and then them kind of finding themselves in church and realizing these are the values that I have and mm -hmm. Jesus is someone I want to follow. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but the moment when that happens, um, that is, that, that's that fruit. Uh, one of the folks who, one of the folks who helps out most, most um, often, and he's kind of the most invested in PD ministry as a lay leader Um He's like now, I mean, everyone just thinks we're the same age. He's a teacher at the school, and uh, but uh, uh, but he started out as a camper as a sixth grader uh, many years ago when I was a much younger guy, and um, I remember he would always just kind of lean on you. Like he was short, smaller guy, but then as he grew older, you know, he he still leaned and like he would topple you over. Uh, well, that guy became the teacher of a lot of the kids in the community. And uh, now he's like the main guy who like goes and does Costco runs to buy snacks and stuff like that for the after school thing. And he's been faithfully doing this mm. for like, I is it 15 years, 20 years, maybe um, I haven't quite counted. That's incredible when you see people kind of, you know, go long term like that. Um, 
another story that I was thinking of was how um, one when I, one year I was a small group leader in Project Destiny, and there were there were a bunch of kids in my group that were having really good conversations throughout the whole entire summer. And we did things like field trips and you know a lot of bonding stuff. Right at the end of the summer, one of this kid. Um, he gives me a live strong band and that that's kind of when live strong yellow bands were kind of like really kind of in. So he gave me one and uh, it's the end of the summer. He's like, I don't know if I'll be able to see you again. Like my, my family isn't Christian, um, but you know, I believe it. And I said, Oh, awesome, man. And so I said, you know, I'll pray for you. And I have that live strong band and I kept it. And years later, I, um, one of the iterations of my job, we kind of moved around a bit staffing wise. And so at some point I was the college minister at, uh, at, at BCEC, my first year being the college minister, this kid says, oh, I want to meet up with you. Hey, I don't know if you remember me, uh, but you know, I was in your small group all those years ago. I was like, what, you, what, what? And you know, now that kid who started coming back at that time, he is one of the main uh, college volunteer leaders. Um, and he's got a, supervision for discipleship hmm. he's got a heart for a passion for it he's married to somebody who is a campus minister it's yeah it's amazing to be able to see fruit like that yeah yeah i was impressed just the the few days that i spent with your church and getting to know some i mean i think some of the students who were at the college retreat had come through project destiny and it was just good to hear stories and 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 so inspiring to see how your church has been able to, you know, not just do this after school program, but to see uh, kids come to know the Lord and then plug into the church. Um, it's yeah, I think that's so, so cool. Um, you kind of mentioned this, you know, with your deacons meeting, but how have you seen each of the language congregations interact with and serve at project destiny destiny? Um, how have you seen kind of the, the, you guys have, I think three congregations, right? Mandarin, Cantonese, English. That's right. Yeah. Those three languages. Yeah. How, how have they interacted with Project Destiny? Um, what, you know, in the nineties, um, when I first got involved, uh, before I was on leadership or anything, just volunteering, um, there was a lot more of the Cantonese folks kind of uh, there. There's a whole generation of, uh, Cantonese leaders who came up and they had done, they have done PD before as counselors. And so the church kind of, kind of came together. So they did that. And then some of the English folks, uh, got on board and then starting probably in the mid two thousands or so, it became increasingly more just English side, partly because, um, I think in the in the older days we didn't have a full time staff doing it. It was just entirely volunteer. The director was volunteer, um, and so maybe the whole church kind of pulled together a little bit more. But then after um, our it, after one of the pastors um, uh, took that on, um, I think more of the folks from the English side started to to serve there. But still, you know, I still see folks, you know, like. Um, like the guy that, that I told you before who buys the Costco stuff, uh, he's he's in, in the Cantonese congregation. And um, we have most recently, it's been interesting because um, immigration waves uh, you know, kind of change. And so it's no longer Cantonese. Right. So in the city, we find increasingly Mandarin. Right. So the kids who are coming over here are speaking Mandarin and they have particularly in our city. I think the English acquisition is happening slower. And so because of that, they're sticking with their heart language um, much longer and depending on it much more. And so um, a few years ago, I, I recruited a guy who works with me now. His name is Lewis, and uh, he is 
Uh, he's the guy who runs the Chinese Youth Ministry. That Chinese Youth Ministry came up through Lewis's participation in the after-school program because as he came in and reached out to those kids, he'd find that, hey, we're having success in actually having conversations about about life, about, about God, mentoring. Um, and so let's take it to the next step. And um, this weekend, actually, they're having their first um, spring camp. And so they're going to have 20 kids and nine adults uh, go on a retreat. And all of those kids, none of them come from church backgrounds. And they are now going to be in discipleship. And uh, we're, we're praying for them. I love hearing about how um, just how the different congregations have participated in this um, over the years. And, it, and you've seen kind of these, the ebb and flow of, you know, different groups taking the lead or, or participating. Um, has has there been opportunities as the, the ministry has grown for the congregation to work together um, between these different groups? Or, um, yeah, I guess, like, what, what has partnership looked like? Because I think even for those serving, language might be, you know, like you said, the language acquisition being a little bit slower now, that might be a barrier or something that's that makes things more challenging, um, even between coworkers or between folks serving together. What does that look like for you guys? Right. Um, I, I think that it's challenging to get into if you're not a mainly English speaker, because there's so much of running a program in an intense program has to do with communication. And so it can be really intimidating, actually, for uh, somebody who is not um, a mainly English speaker to to come in, into that. And we want we want them, and we want to encourage them. And I think probably the next step is operate more in Chinese. But uh, some of us are probably less secure about that. Um, so I think the next kind of pathway for folks has been the follow up ministry. You know, kind of being in that youth group. Um, mm. We have. In, in Chinatown, we have two youth groups. We have the English youth group on Friday and then the more recent uh, Saturday afternoon youth group. And we found uh, folks starting to kind of connect there and, uh, you know, adult volunteers uh, really starting to care about that. And it's interesting because most of the volunteers are, are Cantonese speakers, but they're kind of stretching themselves mm. a little bit to do Mandarin because they're seeing a little bit of the need and they're like, hey, you know, we got to love on these kids. Um, and if it's going to be us, you know, folks who, only kind of no Mandarin, we're going to get it done. Yeah, you know, I, I think just even listening and I'm imagining like some of our listeners who are pastors thinking about their own ministries. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I hear stories of how God works in in different churches and different settings, and especially in ministries that I'm not familiar with, um, you know, I, I always think like, well, that that sounds awesome. I'm not, just not sure what that might look like in in the context that I'm in. And I think you know, for uh, maybe for a church that has not had any sort of community presence or outreach um, in, in this way, you know, they may have had presence and outreach in other ways, but in this particular way, what if, if someone was starting to think, oh, maybe the Lord is putting something like this on our hearts as a church or mm -hmm. as a leadership team, you know, how would you recommend to them to kind of go about exploring that? Or, you know, even starting with identifying needs and, you know, what, what could be done or what needs to be done? Like what, what's that process look like or how would you encourage them to do that? Yeah. I, you know, I'm at a disadvantage on this question because actually I inherited, you know, what happened here, but I do think about like, if I were to kind of export this thing, what would we do? And mm -hmm. 
I think a lot of it has to do with you understanding who you as a, you are as a church. Uh, you know, um, if you are not a church that you know highly values education, um, then um, maybe you know something like an after school program is not necessarily the way to go, right? But uh, you kind of look at what do people care about? What's the character of your church? And you're going to see that okay, there are people who can do X, Y, Z, and you think okay, if I understand my church. I want also want to understand my community, you know, the place where my church, where my church is or whoever I want to reach in that community. And you want to look around and you say, oh, you know, are there, is there a significant um, population of people who would connect to something that we'd want to uh, want to give something to offer? You know um, I would say you have to build relationships. You know, a lot of times churches in uh, communities are accused of kind of just being in the, in of themselves, right. To just, um, example would be churches there they they have a lot of folks who are you know scientists and so they decide oh we're going to do like a science mentoring program mm-hmm. well what they didn't realize is that right next door there is a storefront and their main business and livelihood is offering science you know uh, uh science enrichment and mentoring um then you've now created yourself this problem of um adver- being an, an adversary in in your neighborhood Right. So you really have to understand your neighborhood. You have to build relationships. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to enough people, they're going to start talking to you about, oh, man, if only we had more of this, if only we had more of that. Um, those kind of conversations are valuable. Right. And if you look at it, you understand who's around, um, it's going to start kind of coming up a little bit, some ideas of, of what what can we. I think the question really has to be not what do we want to do? It's more like we want to love our community. Mm-hmm. How can we love our community in a way that Jesus can shine through in? And we will really bless the people around us. Yeah. I think knowing that question, asking that question, that that's the key of mm. like, you know, what going to the community and saying, what do we need more of? And how can our church, you know, enter into that need? I, it seems so simple and like obvious, but I think you're right. There probably are a lot of ministries or places um, where they, they go about it backwards. It's like, well, what can we do? And that may not be the first question asked. I think it's important to ask mm. that at some point, but maybe mm. not as the first one. So, yeah. yeah. Steve, you, you've, you know, served at Project Destiny. You've been a part of it uh, in different capacities. What is your hope for the future of this ministry as you kind of maybe project down the line in a few years? Um, where do you want to see Project Destiny go? That's a good question. I, I'm a strong proponent, in, and I believe in what the Lord does through PD. We're kind of in a place where resource-wise, um, things are difficult, um, like people, volunteers. Um, it's been very difficult to find people to volunteer in high-commitment ways. Um, and uh, it was funny. I was in a deacon's meeting, and we were just talking about this. And sometimes you just feel like, wow, what am I doing? I used to do things a certain way, and it worked, and now things have just changed. Um, like it's just harder to get, for example, college students or other folks to, to step in here. And so, um, so my answer has got to be some kind of like survival question right? or survival answer, which is, I hope we get back in some ways to having uh, plenty of people wanting to volunteer. But I think realistically it may need to make a, it may, may need to make a leap or a change in terms of like, how do we structure things because we are in a different time and a different age. The idea of volunteering 50 hours a week um, probably is maybe, um, maybe it is more rare than we thought. 
<laughs> surprise, surprise. So, but at the same time, I do think that the church and the way that, you know, we, um, the way that we uh, raise up leaders and serve the community, that kind of golden connection, I think that that's, there's something there. And so like, I'd love to see um, just being able to perhaps consult with other churches or perhaps maybe share some uh, technical assistance uh, with other folks who want to do the same thing um, in our neck of the woods, you know, we're right in Boston proper, right in Chinatown, but the Chinatown satellite Chinatowns probably phenomenon in many uh, cities, those are popping up. And a lot of folks um, have churches there, but probably not the same kind of history of running programs as us. And so to be able to have a hand in helping with those things, mm-hmm. um, or perhaps even, you know, send somebody to help to uh, to run and start something like that, that would be really compelling because it would equip a church to really have that kind of relationship with their community, just like we have enjoyed uh, for many years. There probably, like you said, are lots of opportunities for that because, you know, um, communities of, of Chinese families and uh, are popping up all over the place and there's mm. Chinese heritage churches just about everywhere. Mm. Um, and so, yeah. And I even wonder like maybe if, if there's a part of your future that also includes like, how do we share what we've learned and done here with other communities that are not necessarily Chinese, but um, you know, may have similar values and that this would be a benefit to them. So it's Definitely. just so encouraging to hear, to hear about um your ministry and what you guys are doing over there in, in Boston. You know, as we wrap up the podcast, we always love to ask this last question, which is just what's one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that's currently serving in a Chinese heritage church? It can be related to what we've talked about tonight already, or it could be just something else that that the Lord has laid on your heart and you want to pass on to, to a ministry worker somewhere. Yeah, sometimes it can be really... Um joyful to work at a, you know, to serve at a Chinese church. Um, sometimes it can be kind of frustrating and discouraging, um, probably like anywhere else. Um, but I think there's a lot of uh, times when it feels like um, people don't understand you or you don't, you know, people don't, yeah, it, there's, it, whether it's generational wise, you know, um, age wise, language wise. Um, one thing that has really helped me over the past few years when I kind of run into things that seem like they're battles is that they don't actually have to be battles. Um, see, sometimes you got to look at the people who are kind of maybe asking the toughest questions or kind of arguing back the most. Um, and when you look at that, you realize they really care. They really do care. And why? Um, because the Chinese Heritage Church is in probably ways more true of Chinese churches than of um, than perhaps many other churches. It is a home for folks, right? This is kind of like like really it's it's family, right? And so when you kind of get to look at that, you realize, wow, um, they care that much. And then also, you know, my my connection here is also that for a lot of folks who did not know the Lord through their family, um, the Chinese church is going to be they're, yeah, it's probably the only way they would ever know about Jesus. And, you know, whether it's folks who are who are immigrants or folks who live, you know, in that geographic area, um, there is a, there is a, everybody's got a special kind of mission, right, that, that the Lord gives. And that's kind of what 
Um, if you're in a Chinese heritage church, that's really part of what 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 ours is. And so, um, you know, there's nobody else who can do what a CHC does. So, um, yeah, I guess that's the that's the thought that kind of encourages me and keeps me going. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that thought, and I appreciate just um, your ministry at at PD at Project Destiny. It's been inspiring for me to hear about it again and to just see all the ways that your church is connecting with the community and seeing young people come to know the Lord and see a healthy church at work. And so I just want to encourage you, Steve, to keep going and thank keep you. pressing in. It's just a great ministry, but thanks so much for joining us, Steve. Yeah. Thanks, Jalen. Thanks, John. Great to hang out with you guys. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.